Well, we're about 300 episodes or something in, and I have run out of new ways of saying hello to the Religious Studies Project for this week. I'm David Robertson. And I'm Christopher Carter. And this week's interview is Chris's interview, which is why you're hearing my voice at the top of the episode. It's uh, an interview with Atko Remmel on the study of religion and national identity in Estonia. Um, very timely. We're all thinking about EASR already. So let's pass straight over to Chris. The Estonian case in the study of religion is something that we've not really talked about very much on the Religious Studies Project, but I am speaking to you right now from the EASR um, conference in Bern, where I've been hearing quite a bit about it. Um, I've heard some papers, and it was even mentioned quite a bit in um, one of the keynote lecturers yesterday, and so I thought it would be fantastic to get Atko Remmel, who I've known for a number of years now, um, onto the RSP to talk about the Estonian context, the study of religion in Estonia, and some of the complex intersections between um, religion, non-religion, nationalism in this context that's sort of been dominated historically by two foreign religious secular regimes, the German Lutheran Church and Soviet atheism. So first of all, um, Atko Remmel, um, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the Religious Studies Project. It's nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, just to say, Atko is Senior Researcher in Religious Studies and also Researcher in Cultural Studies at the University of Tartu in Estonia. And his work discusses religion, religious indifference, national identity and more in Estonia, which is said, as I've indicated, to be one of the most secularized countries in Europe. He has a number of publications in this broad area, including one called Religion Interrupted, Observations on Religious Indifference in Estonia, which is in a book in which I and a number of other RSP friends have chapters um, that's called Religious Indifference, New Perspectives from Studies on Secularization and Non-Religion, edited by Johannes Quack and Cora Schu. And Atko is also currently the PI on one of the Understanding Unbelief projects. I'm looking at Estonia, but we'll not be talking too much about that just today. Um, so, Many of our listeners out there may never really thought much about the Estonian context at all, so perhaps um, the way to start would be a, a broad introduction to Estonia and, and um, I guess, in relation to religion. Uh, potted history, away you go. Mm -hmm. Well, Estonia is a small country by the Baltic Sea, one of the northernmost countries, Baltic countries. And, yes, it's known for its... Uh, very far-reaching secularization. Mm. And so we're, we'll be talking a lot about that in a moment, but the study of religion in Estonia, um, is, is that something relatively new, like it, religious studies at an academic institution? Well, actually, no, but uh, to answer this question, we have to look back a bit in history. So, during Soviet Union, the only possibility to study religion was within the framework of scientific atheism, and another possibility was folkloristics, where folk beliefs were studied as a part of national heritage. And after the collapse of Soviet Union, scientific atheism, of course, faded away, and uh, the study of religion was newly established under the label of theology, which is in Estonia as an umbrella term for both theology and the study of religion. 
And um, this, um, I would say, in the early days, uh, it was more influenced by theological thinking, but uh, in the last decade, it has more moved towards the study of religion. And uh, the focus is on religious change, new religious movements, but mostly it's still about Christian churches and their relationship to the state. Mm. And um, of course, we'll be hearing, I hope, at the end of the interview about a certain conference that's going to be happening in Estonia, yeah. um, hosted by the Estonian mm-hmm. Association. Um, so it's clearly been something that's developing there. Um, you mentioned um, the the Soviet um the Soviet times there, and I suppose anything that we're going to talk about in the rest of this interview um, will probably require a bit of historical contextualization there. Um, so the stereotype we have is obviously Soviets, not a massive fan of religion, mm-hmm. um, suppression, end of Soviet time, maybe some sort of uh, resurgence. Um, but let's let's give me an actual picture. Well. Uh it's uh, correct that uh, the the usual understanding of Soviet anti-religious policy is understood as as uh, something monolithic that was uniform from the start till the end. But actually, there were quite big changes in religious policy, and in some periods it was harsher, other times less harsh. And after the Second World War, during Stalin's reign, the question of uh, religion was some sort of Secondary, but it changed radically under Nikita Khrushchev, who initiated an anti religious campaign that lasted from uh, 1958 until 1964. And in Estonia, this policy had three main directions. The first one was uh, so called administration of the churches, which meant that different kind of legislative restrictions and direct control over the inner life of churches. Mm. The second one was atheist propaganda through newspapers and lectures. And the third one was uh, development of Soviet secular secular rituals to substitute uh, religious rituals. Mm. And I would say that this administration and secular rituals were uh, most Effective and as a result, they managed to create an interruption in religious tradition and to get rid of religion from uh, public space. But this, of course, didn't mean that they managed to turn people into atheists. But mm. and a- apart from the years of Khrushchev's anti-religious try, atheist propaganda was actually not very visible, and atheism was. Uh, one of so-called red subjects uh, closely associated with the hated um, Soviet ideology. And also the level of uh, atheist propaganda was uh, quite low and therefore it didn't appeal to people. And so the result was uh, a widespread indifference both towards religion and atheism like a sort of ideological vacuum, mm-hmm. and which was filled with all kinds of things when Soviet fi- Union finally collapsed. And this actually explains why Estonians, while considering themselves uh, not religious, have, have plethora of different beliefs and practices and so on, which are usually understood in terms of alternative spiritualities. Mm. Excellent. Thanks for that. Um, I, this might be putting you on the spot a little bit, um, but just for 
those of our listeners who aren't familiar with um, the the dates, um, could you maybe give us sort of sort of key dates in the twentieth century, perhaps, of uh, in in Estonian history? In Estonian history, well, Estonia was uh, at first uh, occupied by Soviet forces in uh, nineteen forty, then again in nineteen forty four, then. Uh, uh, Joseph Stalin died in 1953. Uh, Khrushchev was pushed aside in 1964, and then uh, finally Soviet Union collapsed in in 1991. Fantastic! <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that we got that in there. Um, I guess if our uh, listeners have seen. Death of Stalin, they might be um, familiar with um, Khrushchev. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Um, so you've already alluded there to um, the, the, the suppression of religion um, and how this maybe largely succeeded in, in the public space. Um, but a lot of your work then has been focusing upon um, contemporary surveys and how how effective this might have been or in individual lives. So perhaps um, let's get specifically into your own research and you might want to just tell us a little bit about your research journey, the kind of questions that, that you've been asking and then what it can tell us about religion, indifference, non-religion, and then we'll get onto this sort of national identity element as well. Well, long story short, I started out as a historian. My PhD thesis was on the institutions that were involved in Soviet anti-religious policy. It was mainly archival work. And by the time it was finished in 2011, then the research on non-religion was already booming. And then I got interested how this Soviet background influences contemporary Estonian society. And uh, by that time, Estonians had already already discovered this forgotten link between atheism and Estonian national identity. So for the fast four or five years, I have tried to keep a track on what, what's happening in Estonian society in, in connection with religion and non-religiosity. And, and currently, I'm involved in several projects uh, that touch uh, these subjects uh, one on or another way, and one of them is called Relocation of the Sacred Around the Baltic Sea, which is uh, led by my good colleague from Sweden, David Turfiel, and it deals with the relationship between secularization and nature spirituality, and uh, another project, which what you already men- mentioned, was this understanding unbelief. And in addition, we are... Uh, together with colleagues from Czech Republic, we are compiling an edited volume uh, with a pre- preliminary title, Atheism and Free Thinking in Central and Eastern Europe, which focuses on 20th and uh, 21st century. And it's a combination of historical and sociological approaches and, and hopefully will be the first uh, comprehensive overview of the developments of current state of secular traditions in that region. Mm. 
Sorry to interrupt the episode, but we just wanted to let you know to remind you about our Patreon link. Uh, the Religious Studies Project has always been free since its inception, um, but we know that there's a great problem in academia with uh, people not being paid for the work that they're expected to do, particularly early career scholars. And we at the RSP want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. So you can help if you can spare even one pound a month um, by going to patreon.com slash Project RS and subscribing. We know that these podcasts are very useful for people who are teaching and people in their learning. So if you can help um, either by subscribing there or by making a one-off donation using the PayPal button on our website, it would be greatly appreciated and will help us keep bringing you this podcast for free and fight against exploitation in academia. But now, back to the episode. Fantastic. So how about we, we dive right into it then? Um, one of my favorite anecdotes um, from your, your um, presentation yesterday, and this might serve as a, a useful starter, um, was when the survey question, um, should the churches modernize, um, was being asked. Um, and, um, you know, people who were religious, people who were non-religious were maybe ticking, um, agree, slightly agree, don't have any opinion vastly disagree um all over the place and when you actually got to your qualitative work um the, the story was um uh, well should the churches modernize them should they have electricity should they yeah. have wi-fi yeah. um so um even the the vocabulary of the the questions was sort of indicating what you might describe as a sort of secularization of, of mm-hmm. language yes um maybe that's a way into the conversation yeah uh well um this religious gap or this uh, era of in- indifference. Uh, so it's uh, really interesting how it has influenced uh, society. And and one of my research interests is um, how the, the language uh, my informants use. And um, I have identified some really interesting features. And uh, one of them is uh, that... Uh, words uh, or terms, religious terms, they have very negative connotations. Uh, one of the most loaded words is uh, probably believer mm. uh, that has uh, association with uh, mental abnormality or ignorance. And, and this is, of course, one of the successes of atheist propaganda. And I also have heard from my Russian colleagues uh, that when they interviewed people and asked, are you a believer? And then the response was, no, I'm normal. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <clears throat> and uh, another thing is uh, what you mentioned, this uh, religious illiteracy and also this secularization of language. So this religious illiteracy, since uh, religion in Aston- Estonian society has been, has had a really low visibility. So people are sort of... Uh, don't recognize the appearances uh, of it and also are incapable to express one's thoughts about religion because of the lack of knowledge. And there is a really interesting uh, story in in Tartu. uh, There is a church, Maria church, that was turned into a gym during Soviet era, and the bell tower was demolished and so on, but it has uh, still had this very specific features of uh, sacral building, like large arc windows and so on. And I heard from my f- informants that uh, they, when they were children during the Soviet period, that 
when this building was finally given back to congregation and turned into uh, turned into a sacral building again, they were really surprised that when they learned that it, it was actually a church building. So we can call it a really religious blindness or something mm. like that. And uh, secularization of language is a. The third interesting feature which I have found, it's actually not so much secularization, it's more like uh, de-Christianization. Mm. When, uh, when religious terms have run dry of their Christian context, this example of church is a sort of a textbook example where church is understood only as a building, not an organization or a group of people, so it can create a lot of confusion. So yeah, and and I got interested uh, in that because I had a hunch that non-religious people might not understand the questions in the service the way they were meant to. So and and to some extent, it seems to be true. And uh, also, it seems that to be true that many questions asked in the service. Uh, just prompt the answers and have no relevance to people before and after that. So I'm a bit hesitant how meaningful this collected data is. And uh, of course, it's always the problem, but uh, it can be or can have much more serious results in the context where religious illiteracy is more widespread. Mm, absolutely. Um, it might help... Um, if we get some percentages here, I know that you've had them in your presentation, you mightn't have them to hand. But, um, so it is, on certain surveys, it's quite an extraordinarily high number of sort of, we might say atheists, you might say non-identifiers, depending what the survey is. But then on this national identity um, front, I, I noticed that much of the, uh, there was a, a large population of Russian Orthodox um, in Estonia, and so maybe you could you could comment on on the sort of connection between um, I don't know uh, Estonian and atheism and and Russian Orthodoxy as it plays out. Um, yes, uh, the the point seems to be that uh, Orthodoxy is much more stickier than Lutheranism, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, the story with, with Estonians is uh, uh, that uh, uh, one of the things is Estonian national narrative, which, which is a construct from 19th uh, century uh, and tells a story about Estonians' everlasting fight for freedom. And there are two types of national narratives. One is golden past, Another is promised land, and the Estonian one is this golden past type. But usually, this golden past refers to the time where country was very powerful, great kings, and so on. But in Estonian case, this uh, golden past is located into pre-Christian times, and Christianity is sort of seen as uh, responsible for its demise. And the other thing is this connection between Estonian. Uh, nationality and atheism and it's a really interesting story but uh, <laughs> it has actually very little to do with believing or not believing in uh, the existence of God and rather it started out as an ethnic uh, conflict so mm -hmm. the background is that uh, Estonians were Christianized in 13th century during the Nordic Crusades and after that they were 
ruled by different other nations until the 20th century. And this uh, 19th century romanticism resulted in the rise of Estonian national consciousness. And uh, by that time, Estonia was incorporated to Russian Empire, but Estonians were ruled by Baltic German upper class. So, and most of the clergy was also uh, Germans, so the church was not perceived as Estonians, but more like German. Mm. Now, in 1905, there was a revolution in Russian Empire and in Estonia as well, but uh, in Estonia, took sort of nationalist form, so it was a fight for national autonomy. And uh, the revolution was soon crushed and punitive st uh, squads uh, started to do their work and many people were executed. And then Estonians accused German pastors that they do didn't protect their parish members and rather collaborated with the uh, mm. troops. And as a result, many uh, Estonians... Uh, didn't go to church anymore, and in return, Baltic Germans accused Estonians of atheism. So, and uh, during Soviet era, atheist propaganda, of course, made good use of both motives and then created a new story of Estonians as historically being uh, very skeptical toward uh, religion and or being a religiously lukewarm nation. So, and and in 2005, when um, Eurobarometer survey was uh, uh, published and uh, that revealed that only 16% of Estonians believe in personal God and all this um, information was happily put together and Estonians started to understand themselves as the least religious uh, or most atheistic country in the world despite the fact that uh, the survey covered only Europe. <laughs> so... Uh, however, uh, Estonians are actually not the only ones with this claim, and similar motives are present also in Czech Republic, in Denmark, in Sweden, in Netherlands. So the question which country will be the least religious or most atheistic is probably going a, to be a new Olympic Games discipline or something yeah. like that. And I wonder what the prize will be. <laughs> God. <laughs> you also had a... a, 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 a a leaflet uh, in your presentation that said, um, you know, if you're an Estonian, you enlisted a few things and yeah. said you do not believe in God unless it's Eurovision. Right. <laughs> right. Now, um, I've only really got one more um, question before we talk about that um, important conference, but presumably this isn't getting that, the whole picture. Um, you've had a you were showing a lot of nuance yesterday in um, a lot of the beliefs and practices um, that um, these so-called uh, non-believers, non-identifiers um, subscribe to. So maybe you could add a bit more nuance to this contemporary situation. Well, I would say that when we are, when we are talking about non-believers or atheists, uh, uh, then it basically boils down... when. That means that we are talking, taking uh, their identity as primary uh, indicator. When we are talking uh, in, in this way, then of course uh, the meaning of atheism in Estonian case is 
sort of different than than in Western context. It doesn't mean the explicit denial of God or something like that. Rather, if it refers to just not being Christian, and and since atheism is the only known secular tradition in Estonian context, it has a very very wide meaning. So. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, we are at about 25 minutes, which is a perfect time for me to just um, say that obviously we're recording at the ESR in Bern in Switzerland, but the 2019 ESR is at in Tartu in Estonia. So perhaps you could maybe sell the conference a little bit just in terms of why might people want to, to come, um, but also maybe you could give us a hint of the sort of the intellectual thrust of the conference. Uh, the, the the topic of the conference is religion, continu- continuations and disruptions. And, you know, conferences are very much like birthday parties. When you like the people, then you go. And, and at the same time, they are like sort of style parties. And the, the topic gives the debates this general direction. So, and, and this uh, topic was, of course, inspired by, you know, Eastern European recent hi- history, which is actually a continuation of different disruptions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, This notion applies to religion as well, and religion and understanding of religion is constantly changing. So, and and this is, I, we thought that it would gi- give a good direction for our style party, and mm-hmm. to become a fruitful basis for discussing whatever changes occur in regard to religion. But other than that, Tartu is just a very lovely town. And by the way, our restaurant street is just 50 meters from the conference venue. And for the conference party, we have a place called uh, Gunpowder Cellar, which is really an old gunpowder cellar that is turned into a restaurant and claims to be a pub with the highest ceiling in the world, which is around 11 meters. Okay, so so the highest ceiling in the world, the lowest religiosity. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, they go together hand in hand. Fantastic. Um, uh, One one final question. So this this conference that we're at right now, the theme is... uh, multiple religious identities. Um, so maybe just a, a sort of final thought from you on how um, the Estonian context and that conference theme of multiple religious identities um, uh, maybe speak to each other or not. Of course they speak to each other. They are both religion-related, but of course these continuations uh, of religious identities and all this overlapping and constant changing. So I would say this, our conference in Tartu uh, will be a mental continuation of this topic here. (laughs) Excellent. Well, listeners, if you want to continue with that mental continuation, um, in about a year's time, we should have a number of podcasts from Tartu for you. But for now, thanks for that really Um, expansive but also quite specific teaser um, for the situation in Estonia and for your own research so do check out Atco's profile and thank you very much thank you thanks so much for that interview Chris oh. and Atco I am still undecided whether I'm going to be in Estonia I would like to visit Tartu a great deal but I did get a chance to meet Atco 
um, at the ASR a couple of years back, and he is a really nice fella. Yeah, and uh, you're too kind. You're too kind. Um, Atgo also got in touch um, last week um, about getting us a recording studio at the University of Tartu, so I'm just mentioning it now, first of all, to thank him for that, and second of all, to hold him to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because that's a, that's a wonderful thing that um, has been set up at previous conferences and just makes everything so much easier for proper conference coverage. Um, and uh, we are getting ready to record interviews at the EAS already. We're glad to be sending... Sydney Castillo Gardinez over as our official kind of representative at the EASR, which is um, essentially a very generous offer of sponsorship that the EASR give us. And uh, it'll be Sydney this year. So looking forward to interviews from uh, Tartu, but also looking forward to interviews from Sydney, who's uh, who's been too busy to contribute for a little while, but is back in the game. Absolutely. Um Another returning interviewer to the RSP is Ross Downing. Um, you heard from him, um, I guess, last term, um, speaking with Anya Warren. Um, he has this time been speaking to um, Vivian Asimos on Slenderman and online mythology. Uh, and I'm sure also the fact of Vivian's um, competing podcast uh, <laughs> will come up um, in the interview as well. No, it's not competing at all, but she's complimenting, a, complimenting exactly. Um, she has a podcast on um, the study of uh, religion and its interaction with popular culture. Um, so um, do come back next week for that interview, and uh, and you know we need we need to get in touch with Ross as well about doing some more for us next year. Next year's BASR, which we are already thinking about, and if you have not seen the announcement for uh, you know the call for papers for the next conference in september this year uh, it is available on the basr website basr.ac.uk my heart literally skipped a beat in a negative way when you mentioned <laughs> september this year just the time keeps moving on so fast. it's a common feature of time it um, is, it at is. least in this particular earthly incarnation yeah. in which we find our souls trapped because it yeah, it feels like it was just last week that we were in Belfast uh, yeah. for the last BASR. Indeed. So, um, oh well, I will take that knowledge with yeah. me while I go back to the office and try and get on with some work. Well, in uh-huh. the meantime, though, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. The Religious Studies Project is sponsored by the British Association for the Study of Religions, the North American Association for the Study of Religion, and the International Association for the History of Religions. The RSP is produced by the Religious Studies Project Association, SCIO, a Scottish charitable incorporated organisation, charity number SCO 47750. Brought to you by founders and editors-in-chief Chris Cotter and David Robertson, and our managing editor Thomas J. Coleman III. Our features are edited by Jonathan Tuckett and our opportunities digest by Ella Bock. Podcast transcription by Helen Bradstock with audio editing by Gregory Schneider and Samuel Ward. Social media managed by Ray Radford and sales and marketing by Sammy Bishop. Don't forget you can support the project by using our amazon.com.co.uk and .ca links or donating at patreon.com slash projectrs. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, YouTube, iTunes and other portals.